audio parfait. Hey everybody, let me tell you about our friends over at Romer Skincare. Based out of Chicago, Romer launched a work from home clean skincare line that covers all your skin needs with three easy to follow steps. Now you're probably wondering, why should I check them out? Well, simple ingredients, effective results, a perfect upgrade if you're still washing your face with that weird bar of soap or that drugstore face wash that you bought at the last second. Can't even pronounce any of the words on the back of the bottle. You can look them up on Twitter and Instagram at Romer Skincare. That's at Romer Skincare. And right now, Romer Skincare is offering our listeners 15% off a gift with your first purchase by using the code LISTENER15. That's code LISTENER15 on their website, RomerSkincare.com. Impress your partner and get happy skin. It was just a bit loud. Well, it's too late now. It was just the music. No, turn, turn it up so I can fucking hear you. I think you can hear me fine. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you outside of the microphone. Turn it up. There. How's that? Leave it. Sorry. Don't touch it. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. It was just the music was a bit loud. Are your ears so cold that you can't hear me anymore? I'm Over there shivering. Fucking freezing. It'll warm up. You'll be fine. We'll see. Okay. Anyway, welcome back to Open a Fucking Book. I'm Stephanie. I'm Kevin. And we are on episode two of VC Andrews. Yes. Now, when we last left Virginia, she had died. <laughs> Way to build that up. I know it's kind of a downer, but. Just hold on a second, and we'll back up a little bit. All right? There was a chance that Virginia's ailment could have been fixed long before it got dire. This is going to be the part of the show where I tell you, uh, probably don't need to tell many women, but stubborn men feel something that's wrong. Go to the doctor. Now, According to Joan Andrews, the widow of Virginia's brother Bill, they interviewed her after Bill had died. And uh, Virginia knew that she had a lump, but refused to get it looked at because of, one, her tireless work on Heaven and Dark Angel, and two, her distrust of doctors from when she was younger. Now, you remember uh, they fucked up, they botched her initial surgery to fix the bone spurs and Everything that was wrong with her back and the arthritis pretty much left her in crutches in a wheelchair for the for the most part of her life. They didn't believe her when she told everybody she was in pain. Well, she, the doctors didn't. Everybody else believed her, but the doctors didn't believe her. So she was very leery of going to doctors after that. Yes. Because they messed up with her. So she had put off getting it checked out, unfortunately, until it was too late. Now, Andrews had told Ann Patty, you remember her editor, about the illness and made her promise not to tell anyone. And Patty kept the secret. And no one else knew until it was too late. And since she didn't tell anybody, Pocket Books ended up offering Virginia a $3 million contract for two more books. The third Castile, the third in the Castile series, Fallen Heart, Fallen Hearts, and a prequel to Flowers in the Attic that would tell the grandmother's story, Garden of Shadows. And then, about two months later, Virginia died. What part of your body just made that noise? My throat. Your throat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If, I could hear it, so I imagine it got picked up on the microphone. Uh, I don't know if I'll let it out or not. If I do, then we'll just come back and people will hear us laughing for no reason. If I don't, then 
<laughs> Regardless, if you sign up for our Patreon at the $15 tier, you will get to hear it, whether I edit it out of the show or not. I did it. I had no, no, no uh, part in stopping or... I know. It happens all the time. Just, just that sound that comes out of your throat for it, no fucking reason. I guess it was going to be a burp, but it Could just... be a burp. Changes mine. Just kind of came up from the gut and stopped <laughs> in my throat. Oh, shit. All right. Anyway. Back to the beginning of the story, or the end of the story, Virginia died. So, what was the publisher to do? Give up on at least two possible bestsellers just because the author died before finishing them? Anyone that knows anything about that, about any kind of business, should know that a little thing like death won't stand in the way of making money. So, all they had to do was simply bring V.C. Andrews Back from the dead. Like Tupac. And a plan was created. Like like Yeah, he did the uh he did the hologram tour. Who else has done? I know there's been a there's been a few of Prince them. did the hologram tour, not no, Tupac. Tupac did a hologram tour. They they went around the country and they played Tupac and they had him as a hologram. Michael Jackson. Did he do a hologram tour? Yeah. Okay. Um I don't think they ever did one for Freddie Mercury. They just got Adam Lambert to sing his parts, and join Queen. But I know there's been a few hologram tours. It wasn't just uh, Tupac. I don't remember them doing one for Tupac, but, I mean, if they did Tupac, they probably did Biggie. Um, I don't remember hearing about a Biggie one, but I remember hearing about a Tupac. I obviously didn't go, but I, I, mean, I remember Elvis probably. It. There's so many impersonators. Do you need to do a, a hologram one? For, for Elvis? I don't know, but I mean, all these people have come back from the dead. Well, that was their plan with V.C. Andrews. Now, can't bring Virginia back from the dead, but that says you can't bring V.C. Andrews back. And Patty had apparently decided that it would be her that would finish the works of V.C. Andrews. But even though Patty may be a good, possibly even great editor... Go on to say that she's possibly the greatest editor in New York When by the time this whole story's over. She was not a writer. And Virginia's agent, Anita Diamant, agreed. So, they needed someone with the talent, the experience, to finish the book. Diamant looked to another author that she had as a client, which just so happened also to be an author that Anne Patty edited for Andrew Niederman now our references for this episode are there's a lot of them the complete vca.com the ghost of vc andrews the life death and afterlife of the mysterious flowers of the at flowers in the attic author by katie arthur of buzzfeed.com an interview on npr.com ghostly writer from the nation V.C. Andrews Afterlife by Dave, David Stretfield from the Washington Post. A novelist's tales from the crypt. V.C. Andrews died in 1986, but her horror book keeps coming by Dave, David Stratfield from the Washington Post. Again, The Man Behind the Incest, an interview with V.C. Andrews Ghostwriter by Tracy Egan, Tracy Egan Morrissey at Jezebel.com and begrudgingly Wikipedia. You say begrudgingly, but yet you've been using Wikipedia. Because it's hard to find full catalogs with like bibliographies and uh, synopsis of stuff. Like you, it, I went like Andrew Niederman's website has kind of been shut down for the past couple of years. So it's hard to get a full thing from him. But you go on and you can find, and they all, they're all been, they've been cited. They have the references that you can go to and it's. Can I give you a suggestion? You can. Use Google Scholar. Okay. I mean, I type this shit up in Google all the time and it it's not Google Scholar, it's just Google, but. Try Google Scholar. I'll, I'll try that next time. But I use it for, uh, again, just to get the massive amount of 
literature, the, the bibliography down from him. Because as you're going to come to find out, this is a busy motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, and I understand he's getting paid very well to do it. But this man is busy. Like he, he keeps up the pace with V.C. Andrews, putting out the one book a year, how she was doing, and then she took two years off, and then she put out... Yeah, he keeps up that pace and excels past it. Damn. Yeah, and we'll get to all those and their dates uh, near the end of the show. I'm not going to name all the books. I will go through the series, because naming all the books would take another hour. But uh, I'll give you the, the series and, and the dates that come along with it. Now... Like VC, there's not a lot out there about him. He did a lot of interviews, but he's, he doesn't really go back and talk about his early life, his young life. Uh, he doesn't talk about you know high school and college all that much. So pretty much all we have is just you know birth, moving, and then jumping into his writing. Okay. Once there's a better biography written written about him or something, I would love to go back and do his story because I I can't find a lot about how I'm a little bit about how he wrote the books, but I like to really dig into the process to what inspired everything, and there's not a ton, so I'm hoping maybe somebody at some point will get into that and we could cover this him more as himself. But for now, we have what we have. And here's the life of Andrew Niederman. Now, he was born October 26, 1940, in Brooklyn, New York. Shortly after his birth, the family moved to the Catskills of New York. But he went to Fallsburg High School, graduated from the State University of New York at Alabama, and then went back to Fallsburg to teach English at his old high school. He directed school plays, coached wrestling, taught summer school. A young teacher, he soon married a student named Diane Wilson. Not his student, but still a student, all the same, at the same school. So, they were a uh, secret romance. Huh. Quoting Diane, Today we would be brought up on charges. Yeah, yeah. Now, while teaching, directing plays, and coaching wrestling, he decided to also... Start writing, because apparently he wasn't busy enough. Now, first came Illusion in 1967. Most of these are in the horror genre, a horror thriller. You can find it anywhere in that area. It's not going to be like Stephen King horror, necessarily, but it, some of them are a little bit scarier than what Virginia wrote. So, like psychological thrillers. Yeah, so, yeah somewhere around in there. Uh, then Sisters, 1972, Weekend in 1980, Pin, which is actually uh, one of his bigger books from 81, Brainchild, also in 81, Someone's Watching in 83, Tender Loving Care in 84, Imp in 85, Child's Play in 85, not the same Child's Play, not the movie, the different, they're not the same thing, uh, Love Child in 86, Reflection, 86, Teacher's Pet in 86, and Night Howl in 86. So again, very busy man. Now it was around this time that Niederman got, had gotten a contract that would make it possible for him to quit teaching and move his family to Los Angeles to write full time. It was then when his agent called him about taking over for Andrews. He would need to fix and finish Garden of Shadows and Fallen Hearts, and Patty is quoted at as saying, quote, When it became clear that someone else would need to be brought in, the agent wanted it to be Andy. So that's who it became. That maybe, or maybe not, would have been my choice. Hmm. A little snarky, maybe? Yeah. Well, you'll, you'll find out why. Turns out that Niederman's wife was actually a huge fan of Flowers in the Attic and would go on and on about the story. Quote, While I was publishing, my wife started to read Flowers in the Attic and was driving me out of mind because she was talking constantly, telling me how great these books were. Now, it's a shame 
Andrew never gets to meet Virginia. He is her ghostwriter. They never meet. It, it's kind of sad. It you is. would hope that maybe she would be able to uh, meet the person who's going to be taking on her legacy, but she died very quickly. Like, nobody knew she was sick, and then all of a sudden, fuck, she's dying. And Aunt Patty thought that she was going to be writing them, and she already knew her, so they didn't, you know, that Andrew didn't get brought in until later. So I, I thought that was interesting and sad at the same time, that you don't get to meet the person who's going to be carrying on your legacy for another 40 years. Almost 40 years. Yeah. Now, getting the VC gig wouldn't be quite so cut and dry. Diamant made Niederman audition for the role of the mock VC. He had to read all her books and study her writing, the style, the grammar, the story build, everything that made Virginia's writing stand out as VC Andrews. So, he wrote a sample to mimic her writing and sent it in. He thinks he developed the ability to mimic other writers in college. During a fascination with William Faulkner, who, yes, we will cover at some point, quotes, I had this intro to composition class, and I wrote my composition in the style of William Faulkner. I got a D, but I loved it. <laughs> so, I mean, as long as you're having fun, I suppose. Yeah, see, the problem is when... <clears throat> When you're think when you think you're writing in the style of a particular artist like Faulkner or any other yeah. author or poet, teachers are gonna give you a bad grade no matter what because their interpretation of that author is gonna be different from yours. If they know yeah, obviously if they know the author, yeah. So if, if they if think his, they if, know the author. His, yeah, if his um composition class teacher was a William Faulkner fan and was reading that going, come on, man. Or maybe it was just poor, whatever he was writing was just poorly written. And he just, but if you want to be a ghostwriter for either an author or songs or screenplays, and, and, and there's one specific author you want to ghostwrite for after they're dead, you learn how to write with them, like them. Maybe there's a career well, in the, it for you. What I'm saying is that it, Probably not the best to do in college. No, there's more than you can have more than one interpretation of someone's writing. Yeah, but I think he said the the same sentence structure, the same grammar, the same way that you the would tone, build a story. The, yes, each writer has their very specific way of doing it. V.C. Andrews obviously had a very specific way, and I don't know if a lot of people would be able to mimic her exactly. And he's just saying. You know, I think I think this started in college. I like, you know, mimicking other writers, especially William Faulkner. And it's apparently going to come into play here and be uh, very fortuitous for him. I Well, that's what I'm saying. I, the professor probably had a different interpretation of what Faulkner yeah. meant. But her her editor would probably have a better understanding and that's why he got the gig versus his professor. That's why I'm because he's being graded in college, not being yeah graded. And again, it could have just been a shitty paper that he wrote. It, it could have been, but I, I, I think I have an understanding of what happened. Okay. Well, it turns out that Virginia had actually read one of Niederman's novels. So this is really the only kind of connection is through. Um, each of their writings. Uh, Pin, what I just spoke about a little <laughs> bit ago, one of his big ones, as she, and she liked his writing style. So the estate, which was now being run by her brothers, Gene and Bill, hired Niederman to work on Garden of Shadows. Joan said, quote, It was a perfect transition. We were delighted that her legacy would carry on since she was so determined to make a difference in this world. And in the beginning, he used to use two different computers when he was writing. One for his books under Niederman, and one for the V.C. Andrews books. Quote, now this quote's kind of janky. I almost spun my chair around 
It was kind of weird, and it almost felt as if VC Andrews channeled me, you know? So what I imagine is that he's at his computer, the Andrew Niederman computer, typing, and that he literally spins his chair around to the computer on the other side, and boom, he's VC Andrews. That would make sense. I think that's I think that's a neat image. It is. Just two computers on the other side of the of the room from one another or just a, a U-shaped desk and he just spins and all of a sudden you're another person. Yeah, I, I've got that image in my head. Which makes you think how many fucking people are in his head. If he could just switch it on like that. Well that's like Stephen King. Like you said, Stephen King is a whole different monster that we are not going to get into now about because how when, many people when you're an author, when you're an author, you have lots of different people in your head and you're writing from all those different points of view. Yeah, I suppose. But that's kind of all the people you have in your head when you're writing as an author is in your universe. Now, all of a sudden, you have to go into somebody else's universe and write for those people. Yeah, but. So you're he, gonna have two universes. He studied full. that universe, so he yeah. he he jumped in that universe. So now it's his universe too. Well, now whether fans knew of Virginia's death at this time or not, uh, before the time of smartphones, twenty four seven news channels, sales were not affected. Bestseller after bestseller. Niederman had to promise in his contract that he wouldn't divulge the nature of his relationship with the Andrews legacy. It was in his best interest to abide. For Garden, he was given $250,000 advance. And in Fallen Hearts, he was given 400000 advance. Then a contract for three new books, giving him a combined, for those three books, $1.75 million. Now, not only the money, he and the Andrews family had quickly gotten along and soon relied on each other for support through the process. This is one of the things that I loved about this, is that you can see that sometimes with a family, somebody's coming coming in to take over the legacy of someone you love. You might feel a little bitter towards them, or you might automatically feel this... uh, Competition isn't the right word, but... Rivalry? Kind of, maybe. Like, oh, this guy's going to come in and do what my my sister was doing and try to do it as well as she was. You know, you know I, I hope that he makes a lot... I hope that he makes us all a lot of money and keeps her legacy going, but kind of like deep, deep down, fuck this guy, you know? But they really got along. They really um, relied on one another, gave each other support, leaned on one another. When he was down, they would talk to him and pick him up. When they were down, he would talk to them and pick them up. They'd have dinners together. They went out together. So they really, he, he's, he had said, I don't have it in here, but he had said that they almost became like second families to one another. And that uh, is another thing to me that is not only surprising, but kind of puts a smile on his face Yeah, to know that it wasn't. It, it, that's what Virginia would have wanted it to be. She would have wanted them Nothing to Nothing but love. Yeah. Now, uh, they trusted him so much that they gave him a package of floppy disks. Now, for our younger listeners, a floppy disk, as funny as that might sound, were little plastic squares that contained in them a little plastic disk that saved all your information um, before we had, like, flash drives and, and such. You know that save button on your computer? That looks a lot like the save icon in most applications. <laughs> um, and and the save icon on your computer. And that's because that's what they were. Uh, I saw a story on Facebook, I think it was one time, of a guy uh, about our age. His son was asking him, uh, oh no, he had a floppy disk at his house. And his son had found it. And he's like, why did you have a, a 3D save icon printed out? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, no, you got that backwards. It's like when people look at phones. And they look at like the old phones that we used to do, the dial-up phones. And they'd be like, they see the image on why their... did you guys have a hashtag back then? You didn't have Twitter. <laughs> or they look at their phone and they see the old retro phones on their, yeah. their um, touch screen. Uh-huh. 
And they're like, why is that even on there? And why do people say, hang up? You you just slide. Like, because we actually had to hang, hang up, up a phone. phone. Yeah. <laughs> why do you have a hashtag on your old phone? You didn't, you guys That's didn't a have pound Twitter. sign. sign God damn it. <laughs> you use it to make collect calls sometimes. Uh, but yes, uh, he was given a package of floppy disks containing multitudes of Virginia's ideas, unfinished writings, and just as important, some of her art that Andrew got the description for a few of the upcoming characters. So he didn't have necessarily a written down description of some of the characters that she um, was putting into the story, but she had painted some of them or drawn some of them. So he was able to vision envision the characters through that, which I imagine was a big help. Oh, if if you're our age, if you really want to blow your kids' mind, tell them you're older than Google. Yeah. Well, I saw one a video where, uh, on YouTube where a guy gave his kids a rotary phone and told them he'd give them $100 if they could figure out how to work it. Yeah, I've seen that and video. And they could not figure out what to do with it. They didn't even know what the receiver and everything was. They're like, how does this work? <laughs> and uh, I've seen it with like VHS tapes. Most kids nowadays don't know what a how to do a fucking CD and a CD player. Oh, that's uh... because you got to think how many children are alive now that have never listened to a song off a CD. Everything has been through MP3 or streaming. That's just sad. Go tell your kids that you used to get DVDs from Netflix and see what they say. Well, our kids know that we have. Yes, but not everybody does. Some people just got Netflix recently within the past few years, and they still do DVD rentals, but not nearly as much as what they used to. I don't get the DVD. We don't get the DVD rentals anymore. We used to get them all the time. But that was eight years ago. Yeah, I know. We're fucking old. (laughs) We are. Now it was dur- <laughs> it was during these uh, this three book contract that Pocket finally acknowledged what was happening in 1990s Dawn, which kicked off a brand new series, the Cutler series. A vaguely worded letter from the Andrews family was included, which read in part, "Quote: Beginning with the final books of the Castile series, we have been working closely with a carefully selected writer to organize and complete." Virginia's stories, and to expand upon them by creating additional novels inspired by her wonderful storytelling genius. Other V.C. Andrews novels will be published in the coming years, and we hope they continue to mean as much to you as ever. Now, they came to realize that trying to conceal her death was ridiculous. Pocket's hands were forced when Harper Collins, Andrew's UK publisher, was outbid on Dawn and then made the ghostwriting public. So they didn't have much of a choice either way. Yeah, sounds like it. A 1991 New York Times story quoted quotes the managing director of Harper Collins saying that had he published Dawn, he would have put Niederman's name on the cover because quote. In English law, you can't say a book is written by someone who didn't write it. That was the case. Every subsequent book has violated that law. And to this day, they're published under the name Virginia Andrews by Simon & Schuster's UK division. How many books, honestly, have been written by people that didn't use the name of the book? James Bond, Ian Fleming died a long time ago. And they continued to write James Bond books. There, yeah, there's been a lot of there's authors. Been a lot of ghostwriters. Yeah. So, I don't know. Seems like a petty thing to me. It's just because they missed out on the bid to publish Dawn. So they wanted to get fucking petty with it. I mean, if that's a law that they had beforehand, then their hands are tied. Obviously, but... nobody else follows it, though. Otherwise, this would be a, an issue every time a V.C. Andrews book came out. I think it was just a petty thing. Mm. Possibly. I mean, it's not the first time the U.K. has been petty. 
No offense to our UK listeners. <laughs> I think most of the people of the UK are going, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the first time anybody in the US has been petty oh, either. Oh, fuck no. Jesus Christ, we fuck live off of it. Now, the Andrews Estates, now known as Vanda LLC, faced another hurdle. The IRS auditor who ever oversaw the Andrews Estate was one day browsing in a bookstore and noticed that a V.C. Andrews novel that had not been a part of the taxed estate was among the author's books. She found out about the ghostwriting and decided that the name V.C. Andrews should have been an asset on which the family had to pay taxes. She assessed the family's taxes and penalties. They sued to get it back. For about two years in the early 90s, the family fought with the IRS in court. The family did end up getting some of the money back after it was all said and done, but the events set in motion another problem inside the Andrews circle, including the falling out of Andrew Niederman and Ann Patty. I think we all saw that coming. Yeah, see, that's the the U.S. petty shit right there. Oh, yeah. It's it, bitch about to get real fucking petty. Now, Patty demanded money for what she felt she was own, owed for her ideas that went into the writing. She felt that she had worked Virgi- with Virginia for long enough that she should be compensated for that work. She said in... He said in his de- deposition, quote, She wasn't doing any of the rewriting. She was doing what you would call the analysis and then the assigning of the rewriting, which is what an editor does. But what an editor doesn't do is demand money from the writer in return for doing this. It's your job. You don't get paid extra. There's no You're not getting a bonus for it. The publisher wants to give you a bonus, fine. But you do your job. Yeah, take it up with the publisher, not the author. Howard Kaminsky, the chief of William Morrow Publishing, said, quote, It's something you just don't do. Editors are paid to edit. If they feel their due compensation beyond that, they should leave their jobs and write. Completely agree. Yep, but she's not a writer. And court papers quoted by the Washington Post, Niederman paid Patty in excess of $50,000 over several years under duress. In Niederman's deposition, he said, quote, Money was demanded of him from Patty for her participation in the process. I mean, what you have here is a situation where a person who judges my work wants to participate in doing it and be paid for it. So it's kind of... I'm kind of squeezed, if you can understand that. He characterized the work Patty was doing as standard editing and analysis, and, of course, she was still a full-time editor at Simon & Schuster. So it's not like all of a sudden Virginia died and she was out of a job. She was still a top editor at a major publishing company, and she's wanting more money because she felt she was due because she worked with Virginia for so long. That's, what a cunt. We aren't in the publishing world, but I can understand that that's probably not how it works. Yeah, it's. I don't think that I is. I doubt it. For all of our authors out there that are listening, please email us at votaudioparfait.com and let us know, because I, I don't think that's how it works. Please let us know. And if your editor is doing that to you, Find a new editor. Get a lawyer. <laughs> Talk to your publisher. Unless it's in the contract. I don't think that's right. A 1991 letter from the co-executor of the Andrews estate, Charles Payne, to Niederman has been made a government, a government exhibit in the tax case. In the letter, Payne reprimands the ghostwriter severely for giving money to Patty. Quote, You secretly paid her large sums of money for her supposed contribution to the creative work. You, in other words, subcontracted with her despite it being a breach of your contract and in spite of the conflict of interest on her part. As time went by, she demanded ever-increasing amounts of money from you, 
No matter what you did for her, no matter how kind you were to her, she continually came back demanding ever-increasing amounts of money to the point that you were willing to risk the entire project to get rid of her. Now, matters came to a head in 2010. That's how long this went on for. In a series serious squabble, the letter refers to the legal fees incurred by the Andrews family in our efforts to get rid of Patty. Niederman was assigned a different editor, and subsequent books were published in hardcover by the Pocket Books Division. She covered the paperback stuff. So he got out of that. They got a new editor. About it, damn time. But it took... Lots of money and time. About 20 fucking years. Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by our brand new exclusive discount code for thebeardstruggle.com. Ladies, you know that man in your life with the big, beautiful beard? Or the one trying to grow a beard, even if it's just a little stubble? Well, what you might not know is that the skin underneath all that face fur can get dried out and super itchy, causing scratching that leads to flaking, and if there's anything worse than head dandruff, it's beard dandruff. That's why we've teamed up with TheBeardStruggle.com. They know what goes into having a big, glorious beard, hence the name. And they've created some of the best products in the market to help the man in your life tame those majestic chin locks and soothe the skin underneath. Be it the day and night oils, which keep the beard soft and the skin moisturized, and they smell great by the way, or the beard straightener that calms those extra curly face hairs and makes that beard look fuller and healthier. Kevin uses these products and his beard has never looked, felt, or smelled better, and I I really enjoy playing with his beard now. TheBeardStruggle.com uses 100% all-natural ingredients, they never test on animals, and have a 90-day money-back guarantee. All you have to do is go to TheBeardStruggle.com, all one word, or click on the link in the show notes, and don't forget to use our exclusive discount code, AUDIO15, for 15% off at checkout. That's A-U-D-I-O-1-5 for 15% off your entire order. Go now! Now, back to the writing. Though style came easily to Niederman, writing the Andrews books was also a lot of work. He took copious notes and constantly referred back to earlier books. Quote, not only that, but the fans pick on, pick up if you change eye color. If in the third book, one of the minor characters, instead of having blue eyes, has brown eyes, they jump all over it. Which is kind of how fandoms are. Yeah. We're... We're a little crazy about certain stupid things. Yeah, because we pay attention to the small details. Well, yeah, like your first time through, you just go for the story. And then your second time through, you're you're looking for the story beneath the story. And by like the ninth or tenth time through, you're looking at every little fucking thing that has happened in the entire, whether it be book, comic book, movie, music, anything. I only read a book once. Okay. But I still remember small details. You remember small details. But like with like the Harry Potter movies. You've seen those. I cannot count how many times. And I can I can almost guarantee that you didn't notice every little thing the first time you watched it. But every time you've watched it since then, you see something else. Yeah. That you and you notice. And then when you see the next movie, if one little thing doesn't meet up with the other little thing from the previous movie, it drives you fucking crazy. I always point out the difference between the book and the movie. Well, I'm talking about the difference from one one thing to the next. From one movie to the next. From one book to the next. Like, if something is something is this way in the first book of a series, if it's not the exact same way in the next book, yeah, it either I do, pisses you I off or you need an explanation to why that's different. Yes, I, I, I notice those things. And, it's, and that's how it is with pretty much all fandoms. Yes. If you're a true fandom, that's really what you focus on, is the details. Because that's what separates you from, you know, just the regulars, the, you know, the commoners, as you would say. You would say the muggles. Like me. You are a fucking muggle. Yeah. You like me. I love you. Okay. 
He also found it challenging to capture the female point of view. Well, I love you too. <laughs> Give me that look. <laughs> and often turned to his wife and granddaughters for help. But he had some fun with it too. One time, he was waiting in a green room for hours for an appearance on CBS's Today Show in New Orleans. Then, all of a sudden, he was being rushed to the set with no time to warm up with the host who opened with a question about how he writes as a woman for female readers. Quote, I was a little angry, and I said with a straight face, I said, well, in the morning I put on my wife's nightgown and high heel shoes and start to type. <laughs> she, looked, she looked at me like she had a lunatic on the show. After counting to three, he said he was kidding and gave credit for the joke to his wife. It's pretty good though. How do you how do you write as a woman for women? Well, let me tell you. Little lipstick, bra, panties. She puts the lotion on the skin. <laughs> the sexier the lingerie is, the more it flows out. A lot of thongs. <laughs> the the face my wife is making. Is that the thought of any man in a thong, or just me, or just Andrew Niederman? Any man in okay. a thong. Okay. <sighs> Banana no. hammocks everywhere. Right now. <laughs> just... Oh, title of the episode, Banana Hammocks Everywhere. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, now as we had said before, well, I had said earlier, Andrew was a very busy man. How busy, you might ask? Well, Niederman has written, to date, 90 V.C. Andrews novels since he started. 93, if you include the two that he had finished for Virginia, uh, finished that Virginia had already started, and the last of the Castile series that was inspired by Virginia. So, the 90 include 23 series and seven standalones, plus an additional two short stories inspired strictly by Virginia's artwork. So technically, 95. And most of them uh, overlap each other chronologically. Uh, I would say he was probably writing one while another was being edited, and maybe another was being storyboarded. So, three at once. Sometimes. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, that are that are being. He writes one, sends it to the editor, starts writing another one. While he's writing this one, there's another one getting that he's storyboarding, playing with with the with the story before he writes it all down, and then that moves over. And... It's like boom, boom, boom. Let me hear you say "wayo." I think if you sing it off key like that, I don't have to pay royalties to them for that, so it's okay. <laughs> So we know about the finishing off of the Castile series. We already talked about that. And the prequel for the end of the uh, Dollinganger series. Then would come, it's going to take a little bit, the Cutler series, which covers 80 years of the Cutler family history, five books published from 90 to 93. The Landry series, which of course covers the lives of the Landry family. Again, five books published from 93 to 96. The Logan series, which revolves around Melody Logan for three books, her cousin for one book, and her aunt in a prequel making five books published from 96 to 99. The Orphan series, focusing on the life, lives of four teenage orphans, six books from 98 to 2000. Six books in two years. Six books in two years. And then... Five books in three years, five books in three years, five books in three years. So, Oh, just wait. Fifteen books in... Just nine. wait. Holy fuck. The Wildflower series, which is about a group of girls in court-ordered group therapy and why they were ordered to attend. The first four serve as prequels to the therapy sessions, while the last one de deals with what happened after. The sixth book is the collection of the first four stories in the series, kind of like an obvious. Six books... Published from 99 to 01. 
The Hudson series tells the story of Rain Arnold Hudson, a child conceived in a biracial affair between a black man and a wealthy white woman. First three books, the story of her the uh, covers Rain in the first three books, the story of her daughter Summer in the fourth. All of those published in 2000 and and 2001, and a prequel about Rain's mother in the fifth, published 2007. So it takes a break in there. The Shooting Star series tells the story of four girls, each with different background, upbringing, and talent. The first four books each focus on one of the girls. In the fifth book, the four girls meet at Senitsky School for the Arts in New York, where they then try to uncover the secrets of their instructor, Madame Senetsky, and the fifth book being an ambius of the series, all published in 2001 and 2002. The De Beers series tells the story of Willow De Beers, who learned from her father's diary that her real mother had been a patient of her father's. Some novels in the De Beers series feature letters from characters from other V.C. Andrews novels. So... We have a whole VC universe going on. Other crossover. Sweet. Six books, which includes an ebook published between 2001 2003. The Broken Wing series. It's about three juvenile delinquents, Robin Taylor, Teal Somers, Phoebe Elder, who each act out for various reasons. They are sent to Dr. Foreman's School for Girls, run by the abusive Dr. Foreman course in an isolated part of the southwest two books both published in 2003 the gemini series follows celeste a young girl who was forced to take on the identity of her dead twin brother noble by her new age fanatic mother the third book is about celeste's daughter baby celeste three books published 2004 2005 the shadow series is about a teenage girl named april taylor who is short not overly talented or popular, and fat. Two books published in 05 and 06. Think I'm done yet? No. Nope. Early Spring Series, the only novel from the V.C. Andrews Trust through which Niederman has written the novels that followed Andrews' death to feature a little girl throughout the book, Jordan March. Unlike every other V.C. Andrews main character, all of whom are 12 to 16, she starts out as six and then turns seven. About a little girl who is developing too fast. Two books published 2006, 2007. The Secret Series. This series follows the story of two small town girls, a murder, and the attic they use and develop into something very special. Niederman explains that the two books were slightly inspired by a true story. Two books published in 07. In 08. The Delia series revolves, <laughs> revolves around a young Latina girl, Delia, whose parents die in a truck accident in Mexico, and she must now cope with fitting into her aunt's wealthy and sometimes cruel Mexican-American family. Three books from 2008-2009. The Heavenstone series, two books, 09-2010. The Kindred series, one book in 2010 and then one book in 2012. The March Family Series, two books in 2011. The Forbidden Series, three books in 2013. The Diary Series, three books in 2014 and 2015. The Mirror Sister Series, three books in 2016 and 2017. We're getting there. I swear we're getting there. The Girls of Spindrift Series. The Girls of Spindrift Series, a spinoff series from Bittersweet Dreams, one of the standalones that he writes. Published in ebook form. Four books, 2017, 2018. The House of Secrets series, two books that came out in 2018, plus a third in the series called Whispering Hearts, which comes out. If you listen to our weekday Cliff Notes episode this week, you'll know that there are a lot of books getting ready to come out if you paid attention on a certain date. Stephanie, do you remember what that date is? October 6th. And guess what day Whispering Hearts is getting ready to come out on? October 6th. So we got a brand new V.C. Andrews book coming out in just a few days. Yay! And the Attic series. Not done yet. Which goes 
back to the Dollenganger clan to see what happened in Corrine's life that started the whirlwind of events that would completely change her future children's lives. One book last year, 2019, and two books came out earlier this year. Damn. So if Flowers in the Attic is your, is your go-to, three more books sitting there waiting for you to read. Yes. He was a busy mother fucker. How did he have time for his wife? Fuck. I don't know how he had time for literally anything. Eat, sleep, shit, right. Pretty much, probably right while you eat and shit. Yeah, for real. H- have a toilet as your throne. Yes. Your, your revolving chair. Like uh, man's bathroom for home improvement. Or yes. you had the recliner that had the toilet in it. Yes. Or was that the, uh, the man cave? I don't know. He had a recliner that had a toilet in it. You sit back, tight, eat, shit, comes in one end, goes out the other all at the same time, just so you can keep writing. I don't know how the fuck he does it, because that's not all he did in that time. Which we'll get to in those a were his V.C. Andrew those books. Those were his V.C. Andrew books. I was going to say, what about his books? Get to those in a minute. Now, according to Ann Patty, the whole V.C. legacy took a downturn after she stopped editing the books. She wasn't necessarily wrong. Sales have taken a downward turn. But that could have enough as much to do with her leaving and not editing it anymore as it could the sheer number of books. When there's just a few of something, it seems like people want it more. But when there's just so Supply and demand. much, it's like... I can't read another V.C. Andrews series. I if Patty wasn't such a else. fucking cunt, <laughs> she probably could have kept editing, but she was a bitch. It, it, that's, that is the uh, idea that I'm getting from it. If she would have asked me for my m- more money, I would have punched her in the face and been <laughs> like, here's your fucking change. Now, uh, even though sales were down... Again, I think it's just as much a part of how many books were out there as it was who was editing them. Most readers of V.C. Andrews will tell you that the newer books don't have quite the same panache as the originals. They're, they're, it's not Virginia. And I think as far as, as the further down you go, the further away from her ideas you get, the more you can tell. I think it's because he was rushing because he, he got all those floppy disks with information. And he so he had all this information to get out. So he was rushing to get it out. That's so he just kept sending what he had out. And maybe the new editor got so overwhelmed that she just kept pushing, pushing, pushing. Yeah, it, it, so I, I couldn't find anywhere of why exactly he was putting out so much so fast. I imagine it was probably a mix of he wanted to keep up the same type of pace that she had. And the publisher was pressuring him. And honestly, if you've listened to any of our other uh, series, the Alex Haley series or the Douglas Adams series, you can get your deadlines extended for like a long time. <laughs> all you Literally, all you have to do is say either I'm doing research and they'll be okay with it or just pull an Adams and fall down to the ground and sob. And usually they're just like, okay, fine, you got another year. He didn't seem to do that. He probably didn't even have any deadlines. I don't know. Again, I looked everywhere for more on it. He does a lot of interviews, but he doesn't really get into talking about all of that. They pretty much just want to know about how he became the ghostwriter for VC Andrews, and then they stopped talking about it. But most of the reviews I saw, a lot of the older, the the newer books that have come out in the you know in the aughts and the teens, uh, they've been pretty much so so. Well, I mean, it is what it is. If you're a V.C. Andrews fan, then you're probably going to buy it and read it anyway. But Now, regardless, V.C. Andrews has sold over 106 million books worldwide and has been translated into 22 languages. So we're not looking at Stephen King, Danielle Steele, J.K. Rawlings type numbers that are, you know, nearing the billions. <clears throat> J.K. has already surpassed billions I don't think she's, she's the first billionaire she's the first author. billionaire I'm talking about how many they've sold 
She hasn't sold a billion copies yet. No, I'm pretty sure. Danielle pretty... Steele, I believe, has sold more copies. If if I'm from what I researched before, because we had talked about Danielle Steele months ago about me possibly covering her someday. She's still alive, so I want to wait. Um, but the last time I checked, she was at like 800 million or something like that, and she was one of the highest selling of all time or something. So I think she's, JK is the highest selling of all time. Is, but I think she's close. But either way, VC, VC Andrews isn't in that upper echelon, but 106 million books sold is a lot of fucking money. Yeah. It's a lot of fucking books because it's a very niche type of writing style, this gothic horror. Yeah. About And nine times out of ten, it revolves around a girl or a group of girls. Very young girls. Yes. So it's it goes to a very specific person. So say what you want. That, to me, is still very impressive. Now, on top of all that VC writing, he, he did. He also wrote between 35 and 40 of his own novels just between when he started ghosting for Virginia and now. So... You take that 95, and now it's a hundred. It's it's anywhere between 130 and 140 novels he's written since 86 to now. That's... I was not lying when I said this was a busy motherfucker. Again, how did uh, did he have any kids? Yes. How the fuck did he have time to fuck? Now this, this, during this time while he was ghosting for V.C. Andrews, it includes The Devil's Advocate, which is by far probably his most popular book, uh, made into an amazing movie, if I say so myself. I love it. A lot of people are like, it's okay. I love that movie. I love that movie too. Keanu Reeves, Al Pacino, Charlize Theron. It's great. And he also wrote... A musical stage production of Devil's Advocate. All while he's writing V.C. Andrews shit. Uh, He currently is a resident of Palm Springs, California. Yes, Andrew Niederman is still alive. He is still writing. And uh, he is our first author who isn't dead. (laughs) So, congratulations. Yay! Congratulations on being alive. Which is... Honestly, kind of an accomplishment. Well. For anybody. I mean, not in this day and age. <laughs> Actually, this day and age, yeah, it is an accomplishment to be yeah. to still be alive. About a year ago, maybe not. But now, yeah. Well, especially living in California, I guess. Yeah, because you could be on fire. Yeah. Now, Niederman was honored with the Golden Palm Star on the Palm Springs Walk of Stars on October 17th, 1997. He's still married to his wife, Diane. They have two adult children with God knows how many grandchildren and great-grandchildren. He turns 80 later this month. And that, my friends, is the lives of V.C. Andrews. Yay! Now, there's um, there's like a multitude of letters and unfinished works written by Virginia. If you're a huge Virginia, uh, a V.C. Andrews fan, uh, I would imagine you probably already know about this website, but if, if it's, she's somebody you're just now getting into, you want to know more about her, you can find all of this stuff pretty much from the thecompletevca.com. Uh, they stopped really running it a few years ago because there just wasn't any more information coming out. They, I mean, they were on top of They have letters, handwritten letters, that you know she's just telling somebody thank you for something. And they have it on there. So if you're if you're big on VC Andrews or just you know knowing about people in you know in general, I would say go to the website uh, completevca.com. Check them out. It's really where I got a large amount of my stuff, especially for Andrew Niederman, because that's pretty much where all the links were for me to get shit from. Great author that are. Favorite listener gave us. 
Yes, Angie, I said favorite. Probably our first listener. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah. So she gets a lot of credit. Anytime she wants to be on the show, all she's got to do is call. We'll put her right on. Yes. But I don't think she wants to be on the show. Probably not. She gave me shit. You put me you put me on the show? Yeah. Hey, you know what? It's consequences about being friends with my wife, let me tell you. She's like she she messaged me, I don't give a shit. <laughs> she cause she she yeah, cause put the quotations of what I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't give a shit. I just don't give a shit. I well, love you. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Angie, for listening. Thank you everybody for listening. We really appreciate it. Numbers we do. going up and, we do. and everything good um stephanie well we go ahead and give our socials out it's a short short show but um, that's all we got so yeah yeah all right on the twitter and gram we are at audio parfait at open a f-i-n-g book and i am at e-c-j-b-a-t i am young e-t-a-m-6 on twitter young e-t-a-m on instagram don't give me shit about them being i was just gonna say just shut the fuck up because you're not gonna change it i will later Maybe. No, you won't. Goodreads.com slash audio parfait where you can get uh oh, you can see what Stephanie has been. I ha- haven't updated been shit. Re- we haven't done no. Uh <laughs> some of the books I've read. Um <laughs> some of the books that we've researched for what we're covering, the books that we do on weekday cliff notes. Uh yeah, we'll get it. <laughs> No, with the show, with with the weekday cliff notes books, if you really want to look them up, you can <laughs> go to our show notes. I always, well, since like the second or third episode of us doing it, I go in and I put links to the best way to contact the author if you if you'd like to, and a way to look and purchase the book. So if if it's not on the Goodreads, I apologize. But if you really want to, you're like, well, how do I you know find that book? It's in our show notes. Just scroll down. They they should all have a link. There's some problems with some of the podcast distributors not having the link to a few of them. But if it's if you go to Spotify and the link's not pulling up, go to Google or Apple and the link should pull up just fine. Email us, like I said before, info at audioparfait.com. Let us know what, how you feel about VC Andrews, about somebody ghostwriting for them. I know that's, a lot of people don't think that you should write under with somebody else's stuff. So tell us what you think about that. There's any authors you would like for us to cover? Let us know about. if you even knew that most of E.C. Andrews' books were ghostwritten. Perfectly honest. When Angie had asked us to do V.C. Andrews, I had to ask you who V.C. Andrews was. And you said Flowers in the Attic. And I went, oh, fuck. Okay, never mind. I, okay, now I know. But I did not know V.C. Andrews. I knew Flowers in the Attic, but I did not know V.C. Andrews. I didn't know that she had a ghostwriter until I started doing the research. So I knew she had a ghostwriter. So it was all it was all brand new to me, and I try to stay on top of the, this type of shit. So if you didn't know, fuck, email us and tell us you didn't know and that you're glad to find out. Or it ruined your fucking V.C. Andrews experience, knowing that she's not the one writing it. I would like to know that, too. Yes, if let I'm, us know. If I'm making your life better or worse, tell me. I'm not going to care, but tell me. <laughs> We give zero fucks. It's harsh, I guess. I don't want to make your life worse, but if your life is worse because of the information you heard on a podcast, you might need some help anyway. Mm. Uh, go to our webpage, audioparfait.com. There's another way you can contact us. Just click on the contact page and fill out the little form. Shoots me an email. You can get all the episodes of this podcast, all of our Saturday author series, all of our weekday Cliff Notes episodes, plus our other podcast. I know it's not real, but that had to hurt. Where we talk about everything we love and hate about wrestling today. And we have uh, NXT TakeOver matches to predict when we record that one tomorrow. Ooh. I know. It's going to be good. For those of you who listen to rest who like wrestling, you know what we're talking about. For those of you who don't like wrestling, don't worry about it. It didn't even come out. It was my throat again. <laughs> More, I was waiting for more it. noises from my wife. My Man, stomach has been making new a- podcast noises from my wife. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be it'll be um, throat chirps, small burps, uh, farts you guys can't hear, guttural noises, guttural noises, and donkey laughs. 
And snorts. And snorts. Clicks of the tongue that I continually have to edit out. Yeah. Uh, go to our Patreon. We still have plenty of uh, Spotify <laughs> scan stickers. Patreon.com slash audio parfait. All your donations go back to making this show as good as we can possibly make it. Rate and review us wherever you listen. Five stars at Apple is always nice. Follow on Spotify. Comment on Stitcher. Most places have something where you can leave a comment or a, or a review, and we really appreciate when you do that. It helps us know what we need to work on. And only give us a five-star review if we deserve it. Jesus. Yeah, but don't give us a four-star review just because. Give us a five-star review or don't fucking review us. Because there's a lot of people that go out, they just give one or two-star reviews just to fuck with people's ratings. And that's a dick move. Yeah, don't be a dick, it's, but, it's I mean, really give us what dick. we deserve. I've given five-star ratings to people that maybe didn't deserve it before because I don't want to fuck everything up for them. Because one four-star rating in a, in a you know, if you got ten five-stars and then one four-star, that can really bring your rating down. Be a 4.9-star rating. Yeah, which doesn't look as good as a 5.0. Okay. I, I'd rather ha- Things that make my wife's eyes roll. <laughs> I'd rather people be honest than just blow smoke up my ass. I would rather people give me a five-star review, a five-star rating, and then be honest in the review. But you do whatever you want. It's a free fucking country. For now. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, Go to your libraries. uh, Volunteer if, if they let you do that type of thing. Go to your local books, independent bookstore. Buy a book from a local independent author sometimes libraries have book libraries have books for sale sometimes they do especially if if it's a local author independent author those are always the best to buy from because they aren't getting the big advances from the publishing companies like the contract support your indie authors that's right god damn it and stephanie i think we're done i think we are finished all right well Take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. I didn't fuck it up this time. Yay. And between now and the time we get to talk to you again, do yourself a favor. Go open a fucking book. All right. We'll see you. Bye, guys.